Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for the Fateful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Six-game winning streak. Six-game winning streak. And I don't know if you've checked out the schedule in late or something. I think it's in March. They have a brutal stretch of games coming. I think they play Boston like three times in two weeks. And Toronto. And anyway, they, they've got to make hay while the sun shines. And Bruce, they are doing it. That's the good news. They are doing it. 4-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Sixth in a row. What are your initial thoughts? In a row. Uh, my initial thoughts was that that was a lot tougher than it needed to be. Yeah. And the Oilers looked uh, a little bit too home and cooled out at 3 nothing for my liking. And uh, <clears throat> they really needed to get that fourth goal. And they finally got it with the empty net, the one that counted. But it was, you know, by then it was, the gap, gap was closed. And Vancouver was bringing it, especially... Last half of the second and first half of the third. I have to say, once it got to 3-2, and the Oilers took a couple penalties, and I thought, uh-oh, but they not only killed the penalties well, they really killed the rest of the game pretty well after that. Yeah. So, Bruce, uh, the Oilers have now um, 57 points in 48 games. They are, they've tied with the Kings in 48 games played, but they're one point ahead of the LA Kings, which Sweet. is just fantastic news. Because I think LA is actually the team... I, there's just no way Colorado doesn't make the playoffs. I can't see it. So um, someone who's Top in a playoff in spot. is what you want. Yeah, someone who's in a playoff spot now is not going to be there. So who's that going to be? And, um, you know, there's a number of teams in the running. But let me just see who's in the uh, bottom wild card spot as it stands. Colorado. Colorado is. Calgary's. They're tied with Calgary. Yeah, Calgary's got... So, uh, Colorado's got two games in hand, so they've got yeah. the superior points percentage, and Calgary is uh, um, uh, hanging on in a tie there because they were able to win their game this afternoon over Tampa Bay, who did the orders no favors. <clears throat> Funny how it is, eh? you can root like pretty fervently against a team one night, and then the next night they're in Calgary, and you're going, "Come on, Kucherov!" <laughs> Actually, I wasn't. I wanted Cal- I wanted Calgary to to, uh, to uh, give Kucherov a bit of a roughing up, to tell you the truth. <laughs> of all the teams in the race right now, there's only <coughs> there's two with a fairly weak goal differential. Mm-hmm. LA at minus nine and Calgary at plus five. Mm-hmm. So you know those would be the two that I'm hoping um, don't make it with the orders at least finishing third in the Pacific. I, I mean, I think the orders can overtake Seattle. I don't think Seattle's a juggernaut, um, despite their strong record as of late. Bruce, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. Because it's a, well, it's just a nice win. Six, sixth in a row, we'll go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? All right. Uh, <clears throat> well, I got to go with Stu Skinner, who uh, he's had quite a week, David. Uh a week ago tonight, uh, his wife, uh, Chloe, was giving birth to their first son, Bo Stewart Skinner. I uh, looked by the pictures, everything came out all right. And uh, uh, strapping a young lad of seven pounds, four ounces, matching Stu's uh, sweater number. So that's a good omen. 
Then he got named to the All-Star team, rookie, named to the All-Star team for the Pacific Division. And then he finally got his net back tonight after stepping aside for a few games to attend to the berth and then to watch with a ball cap on while a red-hot Jack Campbell guided the Oilers to five straight wins. And now Stewart's back in the net and he's had a chance to contribute and to contribute, I thought, in a major way to Edmonton's sixth win in this uh, in this streak. And he, uh, he came up with... Uh, some mighty fine saves in this game. The, the Oilers were a little sloppy, giving up odd man rushes, uh, especially in the middle frame. Uh, he made a great blocker save off of a two-on-one uh, that was, a you know, cross the Royal Road, drill a perfect shot, and he got over and stopped that one. And I just thought he was solid and composed in the net. And... Uh, right down to the last minute where he stopped a wicked deflection of uh, Bo Horvat, mid-air deflection from the slot right inside the post on the pad side, and he was uh, stick side, and he was able to get the pad down on that. And this was just seconds before the empty netter that put it away. So he uh, came up big in the clutch, and I just thought he was pretty strong all game, facing 29 shots and stopping 27 of them. And, uh, uh, it's nice to see him back without any signs of rust whatsoever. And uh, yeah. credit to you, Stu, for uh, playing a big part in tonight's win after all the uh, emotional, mostly ups that you've been through in the recent uh, uh, number of days. Yeah, the Oilers had 18 grade A shots, which is a, mm-hmm. a high total. <laughs> but the Canucks had 14. So this was a busy night for Stu Skinner, and there was lots mm-hmm. of difficult shots. And uh yeah, and he he made a, as you say he made a big save right in the right near the end, which was huge and um, big save throughout. Bruce, my first good thing is uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, just um, two great assists. Um, you know they showed them on the replay a lot. If you watch the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Two great stretch passes on the one on the power play, where he um, where he whips it up the ice to Connor McDavid. Um, from just in front of the Oilers' net to the opposition blue line where McDavid is, and McDavid then sets up Hyman. And um, then the next one is, uh, that is an even strength play. And who gets that one? One second here. Uh, 93, 93. Oh, this one, uh, yeah, this one is... um, uh, Drysaddle, who scores, he whips it up to um, to Hyman, and Drysaddle puts it in. So he's just um, it was a, it was actually a just fantastic play by Hyman as well, because he spins at the blue line when he gets the puck, and shovels does a shovel pass to to Drysaddle, who just as quick as it comes to him, it's in the net, kind of a Brett Hull kind of goal, um, a goal scorer's goal, but a point scorer's pass from Nugent Hopkins. Again, it went through um, from his own zone right up to Hyman at the blue line, right along the boards. And what I liked about that pass, Bruce, is um, Nugent Hopkins kept faking that he was going to pass the other way. He looked at maybe once, maybe twice, actually, across the yeah. ice. And they, they all thought he was going to pass across, make the safe pass. But he made this. It wasn't a, it wasn't a dangerous pass, actually, because it wasn't up the middle of this. It wasn't going to get picked off, likely, but it was right up the boards and right under mm-hmm. Hyman's stick. Right on the blue line. <clears throat> yeah. So he's always been um, a fantastic passing hockey player, and he showed it again tonight. 
He now has 57 points in 48 games. Um, his career high is 69 points in 82 games. That's from 20. That's from 2018-19. That's not the year he was on the dynamite line, is it? I don't believe it is. 2018-19. No, it was 1920. No. Yeah, that was 1920. Which was of so, course a shorter season, mm. though. So you have to count for games played. Oh, that's true. His points per game in 1920 was actually 60, 61 points in 65 games. So that's yes. technically a better year than the 2018-19 um, uh, season. So he had a couple of really strong years. And he's had two good years. Not so good at even strength um, the last two years, though. And it's been a cause for concern, justified concern. But he's cranked it up this year. He's just playing superlative hockey. Great passes. What's your second good thing, yeah. Bruce? Yeah, those were beauty passes. Uh, well, i got to go with Zach Hyman. I mean, pretty hard to overlook a night where he scores uh, uh, one goal and gets the primary assist on the other three in a 4-2 win. I mean, not even a secondary assist for Hyman tonight. They were all passes from him to the goal scorer who, uh, who put it away in uh, uh, relatively short order. Great stretch pass to McDavid for a breakaway early in the game. Like, he had a real narrow lane to thread that thing through. Yeah. And he just looked like, uh, you know, Joe Burrow or something, just firing at it. So it's like a perfect spiral right through this little hole and right onto the pass receiver's hands. And uh, that pass receiver was none other than Connor McDavid, who, got behind the defense and scored on Edmonton's first shot of the game. This after Vancouver had had produced some pretty good pressure in the opening uh, minute, especially. And all of a sudden, bang, it's in there. And it was uh, 1.26 of the game, you know, and Edmonton left, led for the whole rest of the game. The Oilers have been playing, they've been in the lead almost constantly throughout this winning streak. They've been scoring early, they've been taking the lead, and they've been holding the lead on, in uh, a lot of these games. So and so then uh, he on Edmonton's only, only power play of the night uh, for uh, <clears throat> too many men on the ice. Vancouver apparently committed zero actual fouls in this game. Uh, and it took the Oilers, what, oh, 50 seconds to score, but... Uh, score they did and this time it was Hyman on the receiving end of a a, a beautiful uh, McDavid setup after Nuge's stretch pass uh, this was after the power play had gone sideways for a little bit and then all of a sudden it was one long pass and all of a sudden Edmonton with an odd man advantage uh, and then the same formula on the third third goal the one you described Nuge's long pass up the boards to Hyman and what looked like a nothing play, and all of a sudden it was a 2-1-1 for Edmonton because Drysaddle was able to just get in front of his guy, and uh, Hyman was able to thread it through the lane, and Leon just wrapped it home. And uh, uh, then, of course, on the empty netter, Hyman made the play at the blue line to get the puck out of the zone and then just feed a nice soft pass that Nuge was able to stay on side in stride and just skate in alone for the empty netter that finally put it away. And in between times, Hyman was, to me, kind of robbed out of a goal that I thought should have counted on the uh, so. goaltender yeah. interference. There was a number of mitigating factors on that. And the fact is the refs had to overturn the call they made on the ice. And in so doing, they ignored some of those mitigating factors, one of which being uh, Oliver Ekman Larson 
giving uh, Hyman a bump and changing his path through the crease. The other one being the puck had actually already beaten the goalie by the time there was any contact. That's what I thought. Like. Yeah. And there was a, an was actual uh, video review of the Oilers won recently on exactly that principle. The puck was already in the net by the time the player jammed at the goalie. And uh, this time uh, they did not get that call. And uh, I think there was a ref's final tribute to Bruce Boudreaux, maybe. <laughs> They didn't that want to give him a penalty for uh, for uh, delay a game. That was so. Anyway, uh, we can smile about it now. I was not too happy in the moment, but uh, this game made me nervous. It was just, oh, yeah. just wasn't. Uh, I wasn't getting put away to the fashion that uh, this observer would have preferred. But anyway, uh, Hyman did indeed make the big play in the uh, uh, on the empty netter as well. After that, so he had. He almost had five points, but uh, we'll give him four. And uh, uh, he did make, I think he was at fault uh, a little bit on the first Vancouver goal. But uh, so uh, plus three or whatever instead, we'll we'll take that uh, kind of goal differential every night. Yeah, he's getting, um, he just seems increasingly skilled with the puck, you know, as he serpentines around the ice, you know, with his various spin moves and, um it's he is he is very very effective with the puck um and i noticed that with the whole team bruce like the 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 Oilers had their heads up i agree with you like this game was uh should have been put away and it wasn't but the the Oilers' passing was was impressive they are really becoming a strong passing team right now and um it's the uh, you know, I think it marks their offensive game. It's just, you know, there's McDavid's speed, of course, but the passing of all these different players is fantastic. And, uh, you know, their heads are up and, you know, and this and, the, and I'm including players like, you know, from the defense too. Kulak and um, Barry move the puck well. Bouchard uh, moves the puck well. Philip Brobery can move the puck well. So it's, you know, uh, Darnell Nurse can do it. There's a whole lot of players who all over that this team who can make take and make a pass now that dylan holloway's coming on ryan mcleod's coming on so we have all kinds of guys it's it's not just one or two lines anymore it's all these guys starting to pass the puck around and make plays and um you know the funny thing on mcdavid's goal the first goal where hyman did make that stretch pass is Mm -hmm. like how the heck you know Connor mcdavid's on the ice right why aren't what are you doing that would that would make you think it's a good idea to never be back with Connor McDavid on the right side of the puck with Connor McDavid when he's breaking up the ice. Like, what is going on in your head um, where you're going to let Connor McDavid get in behind you? Because he, initially he wasn't moving that fast. And, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't that kind of play where it was this blinding speed that got him ahead of, ahead of everyone else. He was going fast. But it was, I, I can't remember the defenseman out there, but, or, or, or the, like whoever it was that let him go. But, I don't know how that happens. Like, what a mistake. You'd think that would be job number one when you're on the ice. Well, with Connor McDavid is don't give him a break. Like, don't let him sneak in behind you to take a pass. Like, anyway. It was Ekman Larson, but I'm not sure. Ekman Larson was one of the guys, yeah. And they got such funky numbers. The other guy was Myers. Like, that should be a pretty good pairing. Well, Myers isn't a real speedster. But I think what was probably going through his mind at that moment was, oops, there he goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, it wasn't good. Okay, Bruce, right my, my second good thing, 
the Canucks got two late power plays in the last 10 minutes and they didn't get, according to our calculations, they, on those two late power plays, they didn't get one grade A shot off. And um, there was some fantastic penalty kill work going on, particularly, I thought, by Dardell Nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had a number of clearances at the puck, but more than that, he he just, in front of the net, he was making all the right plays. Um, I think he tipped one pass that was coming through the crease and got it out of the Oilers' end that way. And uh, I just thought he he just really showed his quality. When, when Darnell Nurse is bearing down and has a specific task to do, and he's got lots of energy... How many? What did he play tonight, by the way? When he's got lots of energy, uh, that guy can play some. He can play some defensive hockey. Twenty-five mm-hmm. minutes tonight, which is a little on the high side for my liking. Um, but he he is a strong defender. You know, one of the reasons that he people might have an idea he gets beat a lot is well, he's always out there against the best players on the other team. You can't underestimate just how difficult that is for a defenseman to almost every shift or every second shift at least to be out there against the, the, the very best line of the other team. And he does that, and he does it, I think, pretty well. And I think he's actually having – I think he's – after a defensive slump that he had, I think he's having a really good season again. He started out strong. He also went into a defensive slump, but he is playing really strong hockey uh, during this winning streak and before that, since about game 39 or 40, he's really cranked it up in my mind. And I just think he's playing mm-hmm. outstanding hockey again. So good for you, Darnell Nurse. Yeah, he's passing the puck better <clears throat> as well. Yeah. I know this t- today, earlier today, I reviewed the scoring chances from the Tampa game. Yeah. And in the third period of that game, uh, Nurse made three different stretch passes that led to order scoring chances. And Generally, when we score a stretch pass, that that, that is a significant part of that play because it's almost yeah. always a chance off the rush when you, when a stretch pass is uh, is part of it. And uh, of course, by definition, it's almost a long pass or at least a pass to someone with a clear path and you know room to do some damage with it. So, uh, uh, and tonight I thought his defensive. Uh, Awareness was good. I thought his stick was pretty good. He prevented a couple of uh, uh, passes in tight and, and uh, uh, just uh, had, you know had a pretty sound defensive low event game. But uh, uh, I didn't hate his game at all. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Oh, you're going to go first, remember? I'm going to go first? Okay. Yeah, because we're doing this uh, chronologically. Okay. Mine is the the first goal against, and it's and it's <laughs> highlighted by that <laughs> um, most annoying of all meteorological phenomenon, the bad line change, Bruce. And we didn't actually figure out like who really was to blame on the bad line change. It was between Leon and Connor. Leon is. Um, he, he had actually a much worse line change leading to a three-on-two rush earlier that period, which was just yes, like the most rancid brutal. line change of the year. <laughs> Go back and watch that if you want to see a bad line change. It's at... Um, First minute of the second period. Yeah, 1916 of the... You'll see Leon going off the ice just as they're heading up on the ice on an man rush. Anyway, on this one, it, this was a... This was not such a bad line change, except he was going so slow getting off the ice. Connor McDavid gets on the ice... And if he had a mind to play in the puck on the stretch pass to stop the stretch pass, he might not have been able to do it without taking a penalty because Leon was dragging off the ice. But Connor didn't seem to have a mind to do that. 
and didn't try to stop the stretch pass. So I, I don't know why he didn't, but maybe he was aware of dry settle or maybe just wasn't aware the stretch pass was going to be attempted. Anyway, they stretch it up the ice. <clears throat> so by then, three bad things have already happened. Dry settle's slow going off the ice. Excuse me, four bad things. Dry settle slow off the ice. McDavid um, not yet in the game. Hyman, Hyman does his impersonation of a defenseman. And it's about what you'd expect. The puck goes right by him and he, and he doesn't stick with the player he's supposed to cover. And that's the player who scores the goal. So um, <laughs> Evan Bouchard decides that, that just he, he's in on the attack and he decides I'm going to let there's a, there's a rush up ice and there's Zach Hyman back. And I'm going to let the forward, I'm going to trust the forward to be like a defenseman here all the way up the ice. Bouchard probably arguably had time to get back in the play if he hustled the whole way. And that's what you really do want to see with your defenseman. I, I like defensemen joining the attack rushing, but when they're done, the attack, get on your horse and get yeah. back to dodge. Like, don't be coasting back. I bet you, I, I didn't, wasn't on Twitter, but I bet you a few people mentioned that Bouchard coasting back to his homes. Came so, up in my living room. It did, did it? <laughs> I'm not surprised. And then Philip Robery allowed the uh, centering pass. He's the least of all responsible. I mean, that it was a tough play in some ways to stop because it was kind of a cross-ice pass just in over the blue line. You know, he's got, there's a lot going he's on. He's trying to cover Bouchard's man and it winds up being his man who basically <clears throat> yeah. gets in free behind him. Yeah. So so it's a, it's a very difficult. Not it's, perfect, but. Yeah. Anyway, that was a cluster frack, Bruce, of a goal against. And um, it it it's what got them into trouble. Because they were just, they were 3 nothing, three minutes left in the third, and they allow that. Second, Second excuse me. Yeah. And, you know, it was by the, it was by that Kuzmenko, who is a dangerous hockey player. Oh, that guy is, he is a, he is a good attacking. He has the puck all night. Yeah. How many Russians come over with any kind of rep and they just, they don't do anything. But this guy. Oh, he's, he's been delivering the goods. He was scared. rumored with the Oilers at one point this summer, but. Yeah. I guess he saw less competition in Vancouver, but uh, every time I'm seeing him, I'm going, boy, I wish the Oilers had got that guy, because, of course, he's just making, uh, he's on a one-year ELC. He'll be a free agent after this year, but Vancouver's just giving him 925, I think. And there may be some bonuses, but he's a bargain. Let's put it that way. 41 so, points in 45 right. games. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. Again, it's just there's just an endless number of Russian players who come over with big reputations from the KHL and and don't do that well. Well, he's certainly uh, defined that trend. And well, you're, some of them are Panarin and Kaprizov, you know, and they do do well. And I don't think he's quite at their level, but he, you know, it's the same kind of story. He didn't come over till his mid twenties after establishing himself, and he's yeah. now establishing himself very firmly in the NHL. He'll be an interesting free agent to watch. David, I did not like Bouchard's play on that goal. And I I did not like him rushing the puck for the very reason that Edmonton was leading 3 nothing with yes. three minutes to go in the second period. And Bouchard, the right defenseman, takes the puck all the way into the left-wing corner and then loses possession behind the goal line. And then he starts to float back, but he's watching the Vancouver defenseman with the puck and trying to figure out where he's going to pass it and see if he can be in the lane. And what he really needs to be doing is busting his ass yeah, as hard as he can back towards his own blue line to provide some support. And he just kept sort of 
namby pambying it, waiting, trying to read the play instead of just seeing where the danger was, which was 200 feet away from where he was when the when the uh, counterattack started. And that just didn't happen. But uh, and I'm with you. I, I like the defenseman rushing the puck, but there's time and place. And they were just at that point where I'm thinking, you know, we got to the end of this. I didn't like how they were playing. I didn't like how they were losing puck battles in their own end. But I'm thinking they can get to the end of this period with that three goal lead intact. Uh, that's a pretty good place to be. And of course, it didn't happen on that play. And then, uh, let's see, six minutes and 40 seconds later in game time was my bad thing. <clears throat> this, of course, was the 3-2 uh, uh, goal, which came off a face-off in Edmonton territory. And this was the fourth face-off in Edmonton's defensive zone in what seemed like four seconds. I know it was more like, let's find it, though. This was uh, it's pretty epic. And this was a 4-2. Oh, there it is. So, uh, 1657 face-off, Oilers lost it. Puck got tipped into the netting. 1653, another face-off. Oilers won it, but then turned it over. And uh, it puck got frozen. Again, a four-second play. And there's a third one with Drysaddle. He loses it to Pedersen, and Vancouver gets a shot on net. That one killed actually 10 seconds. And I'm just getting apoplectic because defensive zone face-off clean losses <laughs> are one of the things that drive me nuts. And I'm saying, get those guys off there. Get a different center out there. So they bring out McDavid for the fourth center uh, face-off. And, of course, he loses that one cleanly and bang, bang, bang. And there's uh, CC gets drawn way out to the point. Because no uh, one else For whatever there. reason. Because I think he was covering JT Miller. It was some kind of a, was some kind of a formation play by Vancouver oh. that had a forward all the way at the blue line taking the one-timer. Sure worked. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux must be some coach, eh? Uh, anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting play between him and uh, surely it was Hughes. On that goal, yeah, yeah, that was, and it was, uh, and CC was way out at the blue line, and McDavid, after losing the draw, was doing not a whole lot to uh, uh, deal with the goalie screen in front, and in fact, was probably making it a bit worse by being there and the not really taking the man that was causing the uh, the screen and uh, the long slap shot. Skinner was unsighted, and it found a hole. That was a clipboard tester, David. Clipboard tester. I wang, well, I'm wang not, my new clipboard off I, my knee. I'm not surprised. Hard. I said a bad word because uh, it was four in a row and they just could not get the puck out of their zone. And finally, yeah. it up the net. And I'm looking at the clock and thinking, man, this is a lot of time left for a one goal lead. And then they mostly calmed down after that. So. I'm not surprised you're upset. Not only was that the Californian, the outside shot that, you know, finds its way into the net, it's a double Californian because it's off a face-off. Like, mm -hmm. it's got it's got two bad things going on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, not good at all. Yeah, Bruce, you mentioned Bruce Boudreau just a second ago. That really, there, there was a lot of pathos there. 
at mm. the game when they were chanting his name and he was on the bench probably for the last time in his life. He, in tears, yeah. it looks like. Yeah, yeah, in the NHL. Like, I don't, I don't see a coach chance. doing that very often, but uh, I understand yeah. his, I, I feel his pain. Let's put it that way. And I, yeah. I, I understand not everybody's a big fan of Bruce Boudreau, filthy Bruce, Bruce but he's got his uh, uh, his coterie of followers and uh, fans and uh, people like his uh, his emotion, I think, and and uh, some people like his bad words. <laughs> but uh, he's had a lot of success in this league. But uh, going to Vancouver has proven to be a mistake. The the uh, ownership and management of that squad is an absolute shambles at this moment. And they make firing Ralph Kruger by Skype look like a classy piece of work compared to how they're treating their. Outgoing coach Bruce. That was a very good line, Bruce. I remember Bruce Boudreaux from when he played in the Toronto for the Toronto Marlboros. I think I saw him in the Memorial Cup one year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was uh, he was a fantastic uh, major junior hockey player. Um, oh, and then he played in the WHA for a little bit before uh, short career in the NHL, long long minor career. Yeah, Bruce. This says he's. Oh, it doesn't say how many games he's coached, but. Um, since 2007 and 08 in the NHL, and he's been coaching since 1990-91 when he was in a player assistant with the Fort Wayne Comets, mm-hmm. and uh, been a head coach pretty much every other year at the AHL, ECHL, IHL level um, since then. Many, many years. It looks like about 15 years since 2007-08 in the NHL as a, as a head coach. Bruce, what is your numero? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go first again, David. I just got okay. Got sidetracked. Off, uh, I will found, go. Found a fact that I hadn't realized. So my number is ten. That's the number of scoring points that the Oilers had this game. They had f- the four goals, and on the four goals, there were six assists. Uh, of those ten points, all ten of them were scored by the four big guns on the team tonight so sometimes the orders are criticized because they depend too much on the big guns this actually was a, a total you know despite the scoring this was quite a team effort i thought there was lots of good play by other players as well but the four big guys uh ran the roost with hyman with a, a goal and three assists nugent hopkins a goal and two assists mcdavid one and one and mcd uh a goal so um the big guys when the owners i just I just had this feeling, like you, I was really nervous this game that we're going to lose it, and I just felt like, for some reason, and maybe I always feel this when I'm watching it, but like a lot was riding on this game. A lot, they needed to win this game, you know. They just needed to keep. They they need to have a real winning streak, which is yes. better than the best winning streak of the year. They needed six games here, and they need to. Um, make a statement that, that they really are going to be pushing into the playoffs and that they are a team and, um, and the, and the battle is so tight and it's going to remain so all year long. So there's going to be plenty of games like this, but you know, that you, you just had to win this. This was a must win game for the orders because the Canucks were on the ropes. They're, they're getting rid of their coach. They're, they're in chaos. This isn't a very good team. It's not a very good defensive team. You got to win this game. And they yeah. did. And the four big guys did it. The four big guys really uh, came through. So good. I like that. What's your number? 
yeah, okay. Uh, well, my number is going to be six, and that is a six-game winning streak for the Oilers. And I thought it was the first one in several years, and then I just looked it up and realized they had a six-game winning streak right at the end of last year. So they've tied their longest streak in the McDavid era. They also had one way back in 2015-16 when McDavid was hurt, oddly enough. And uh, uh, the... Uh, Swedish goalie monster Anders Nilsson went on this amazing roll and uh, stole a few games for him. But usually they get to five and then they kind of hit a wall at five. And that this one has the, well, I mean, they're at six now. They have a game against Columbus at home on Tuesday and then or Wednesday and then Chicago at home on Saturday for the, uh, for the break. And they have a chance to make a real sort of real strong dent in the standings with their uh, uh, with their uh, run. So I mean, those our games are still there to be won, but uh, I'd like to think they have a pretty good chance at it. Tonight's game, I thought it was just a little bit of a trap game because I knew Vancouver might be sort of emotional enough for the game because of the circumstances there. And even though they played last night and Edmonton had the night off, I just thought this is a game where the orders are are, uh, are going to need to uh, find something in reserve. And it, it took nearly pissing away the lead to sort of get their attention back. But I thought in the last 10 minutes, they really got down to business and uh, uh, got the job done and the penalty kill unit got the job done. And then, uh, Lo and behold, six-game winning streak, uh, 31 goals for, 13 against. So that's an average win of 5-2 to two over uh, over a six-game span. This was the first one of the uh, six, I think, where they didn't outshoot the other guys, but it was still 29-29. And what did you say it was in scoring chances? 18-14 to 14 for grade-A shots. 18-14. And for five alarms? Eight six for the Oilers. Right on. I'm just interested to see what Natural Statric says for all situations. They had uh, high danger at fifteen ten for Edmonton, and overall so, scoring chances at thirty four twenty six for Edmonton. And so you know Edmonton's on the upper side of the uh, of the uh, uh, important uh, shots in the game, and you know they had more chances than Vancouver by our metrics and by natural stat tricks. And the expected goals was, uh, look at this, 4.25 for Edmonton, 2.23 for Vancouver, four to two. What do you know? Expected goals. Everybody ridicules and heaps of use on expected goals all the time. Well, four to two. <laughs> Um, Bruce, the, um, the other reason I was saying the Oilers have to win this game is I, I had been looking ahead of the schedule. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Between February 27th and March 11th, 12 days, mm-hmm. they play the Bruins, Leafs, Jets, Jets, Sabres, Bruins, and Leafs. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So, so they <laughs> seven games against all teams with winning records, already good teams. So the Sabres are a good team this year. And and the Bruins, they, it's, mm-hmm. I mean the Bruins and the Leafs twice, it's twice for Winnipeg, Boston, and and uh, Toronto. That is a lot of hard games. <laughs> so they, so, yeah. you know, we don't know what's going to happen. 
and that's not it. You can't. They got to get a buffer now. They got to get. Mm-hmm. They got to get some yeah. points here. They got to get ahead of the pack. Don't yeah. don't let the take the foot off the gas because you have some really hard stretches this season to come. And mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. and then after that, they you know it's the Senators. They have one easy, and then they plays the Stars and the Kraken. Um, so it's you know that's ten games, and one of them is against a, a weak team, the Senators. And um, man. Uh, they, if they yeah, need well, 14 points out of those 10 games, Bruce, they could be in trouble, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll win some of those games, but you can't yeah. really expect them to go, you know, 4-2-1 mm-hmm. or whatever in that seven-game set. I mean, if they do, great. But uh, you got to think that uh, you'd rather have, a you know, an eight-point lead <laughs> going into that uh, into that stretch. And, they, you know, their chance really is stretching in front of them right now. Their next seven games, eight including tonight in a row, we're against teams that are currently ranked in the bottom third of the NHL. So they yeah. got these uh, these two games at uh, at home next week before the break, and then they have a four-game uh, road set, but uh, against uh, uh, less than powerhouses. And uh, they play two morning games in uh, Montreal and Ottawa, or vice versa, on Super Bowl weekend. And... Uh, you know, if they can bank a few more wins between now and uh, two weeks from now, then they're sitting pretty. I mean, the fact they've already made it up to third in the Pacific as quickly as they have, it's uh, very encouraging. I, I do know there is one more stretch that's kind of promising, could be promising, especially if they need some points at the end. In their final six games in April, final six games, they play the Ducks twice and the Sharks twice. So that's um, if they are desperate to make up some ground um, and to get some points. You know, they also play the Avalanche and the Kings. Then that's a good game to play. You you might want to play against the Kings. You, you never know. Anyway, well, Bruce, they've already completed their season series against both Calgary and Vancouver. Uh, they play four games against every Pacific Division opponent except two, and the two this year are Calgary and Vancouver, the two closest geographic rivals. So Oilers fans only saw the Flames once all year, whereas St. Louis Blues fans saw them twice last week in the famous Battle of Alberta versus Missouri. Uh, and now Vancouver fans only get one visit by the Oilers this season. And I'm, I'll am go back to an old refrain, NHL, get your act together. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> That's uh, not right. That's not right. With these losses, Vancouver's... Clearly, oh, in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, and the quicker they make moves and strip their team, the the you know there's there's uh, five teams below 400 right now. The Canucks are at 4.424 points percentage. So if they can get below, um, they want to be in the bottom bottom group to see if they can get Connor Bedard. All well, right, Bruce. Unfortunately, well, they'll be playing all of those games in the in their Connor Bedard sweepstakes against other teams and not the Oilers. <laughs> so that's not yeah. Good. Uh, that's true Bruce thanks for talking tonight thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast